website is entitled CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Always a pleasure to have Alan Watt here on Glastonbury Radio and the Richard Serrett Show. Alan, how are you? Is it raining where you are? It's threatening now. I think it's to rain for the next three days overnight tonight, starting. I was only half kidding about the uh, the, the, the powers that be uh, seeding the clouds uh, to, to drive it uh, crazy. Do you put any credence in, in, in that? I mean, in terms of uh, uh, drafting the, the uh, drafting Mother Nature for uh, sort of weather warfare. Well, there's articles been in the New York papers to do with the U.S. Air Force from the Air Force admitting that uh, uh, in a few years' time they will have total control of the weather. And there's no doubt they've been practicing for... They have much of the stuff declassified now and what they've done in the past uh, weather weather warfare-wise. So it's all declassified from as early as the 50s. And uh, there's no doubt whatsoever since 98, uh, heavy spraying has been going on um, across Canada and the States and a good part of the world. I've got thousands of photographs from people all over. And what's amazing to me is I've always found that when anything's declared is going to be coming shortly in the future, you find they've always been doing it for years, and yet here they are in mainstream media saying they might have to seat the air with metallic particles to reflect sunlight. I thought, yeah, they've been doing it for years already. (laughs) But it's also altering the weather. Um, The easiest thing to do is to cause rain if they wish it, or they can dispel clouds too and give you drought. I know it's involved because you can pick up the harp frequencies on the shortwave radio since 2001. Uh, It's been going 24 hours a day now, and it's the strongest signal. In fact, if you scan through the scan through the the ham bands, yeah. It is interesting that we're we're seeing hurricanes in places we never used to see hurricanes off the coast of South America that far south. Mm -hmm. We're seeing uh, we're seeing earthquakes in places. Uh, that we didn't normally uh, see them as well. Uh, and I spoke to a weatherman, uh, a TV weatherman, former TV weatherman, who quit and discussed once he figured out what was going on. In fact, that he could no longer go on television and talk about the weather the way he used to, knowing what he did. Mm-hmm. He told me that it's not just the big things that they are doing, they're, they're manipulating all of the weather. Yes. I can remember back uh, about 2000, 2001, I used to tune into the uh, the local stations, television stations, to watch the weather on the news. And uh, the first time I saw the jet stream uh, coming along the coast, the west coast, right up the coast, like a straight line, and going and then turning at a right angle and going right across Canada from British Columbia to Nova Scotia. Uh, that was my first signal that something was really weird. Uh, and then I saw it continuing for such a long time afterwards. I thought, well, this is a new normal now. And I looked into the United Nations Agreement on Weather Warfare, uh, the treaties that are signed by all major nations. And they admitted back in the 1970s they could alter the jet streams and direct them. Uh, they could uh, influence uh, uh, climate through HARP and the use of spraying the air too, which intensifies HARP, by the way, and, and cause earthquakes. Uh, they could cause tsunamis. Now, these are things which they already said they could cause, so they had been tested already. And that is in the Weather Warfare Treaty at the United Nations. 
so this is nothing really new but they have been doing it and I thought um, isn't it odd now they're, they're really trying to appear as for future dumping off this stuff in the sky when they've already been doing it for years already because I've watched it myself since I say, 1998 when they started spraying heavily on a frequent basis pretty well a daily basis and last year I got fed up taking photographs in the morning every morning would start up nice and then they'd spray like crazy the clouds would, clouds would form and then we'd have spray, uh, rain for the rest of the day the whole darn day Every every single day last summer, I did that. Yeah. Alan Watts uh, with us the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com here on Richard Serrett Show, Glastonbury Radio International, heard online and around the world. And Alan, of course, uh, has uh, offered well, he's, uh, he's the three books that we talked mainly about uh, on this program, uh, Cutting Through Volumes One Through Three, The Androgynous Agenda, Volume Two, A Glimpse of the Great Work, and Volume Three. Esoteric unveiled and the meaning of revelation in high Masonic tradition, and also a new one is waiting for the miracle. We'll be talking about that in a few moments. When you talk about the the groups that are trying to uh, essentially control the world, if they haven't already locked it down entirely, do you, do you talk about, about the Illuminati? Do you talk about each other? I, I generally uh, simply call it a, a global cabal. But you can trace its history down through the centuries, uh, right back into uh, Europe, in fact, in the Middle Ages, because this cabal uh, had their own religion that came out into the open, and much is made of that religion by the descendants of it, um, and it was called uh, it was the Cathars and Albigensi and the Bogomils, they were all exactly the same religion in fact, they were given different names according to the, situ the places they were situated but it was the same religion and out of that came uh, Rosicrucianism and then from Rosicrucianism they created uh, Freemasonry and uh, there's m different lodges of Masonry and higher lodges and so on but they founded the Royal Society it was the first Masonic science um, institute to be founded with a Royal Charter uh, and um, you, you, since then, basically, they've run uh, most of the scientific data for the world and the scientific direction of the world. They, they used to call the knowledge that they gained uh, the, the underground stream because they believed that power came through knowledge and therefore science was the way that the future would be ruled and those with the knowledge of science could not share it with the general public. Uh, so they could rule the public. And they even said they could rule kings and queens eventually. Well, this same movement um, brought forth uh, revolutionary movements in the 1800s, well-funded, because the, even when the, the Albigenses were, before they were targeted by the Catholic Church, uh, they had their own big banking system, very rich people. And uh, they moved into Germany, France, and other places. And uh, then they became philanthropists. And through philanthropy, they formed a parallel of governments. Uh, the big foundations really are, are the real governments of today. They run all the non-governmental organizations that push for for taking your rights away or the greening of the planet or whatever, whatever is the popular thing that they're into. But whatever you look really is to take rights away from ordinary people because they want a controlled society. Uh, these are the same people. You see, if you understand the, the religion of the Albigensi, 
they, they believed that there was a, a sect amongst them that you could attain uh, to perfection and they call themselves a perfecti uh, they also believed that there are lesser creatures in the world and out of this came eugenics this is where it starts to stem from the idea of eugenics superior types inferior types etc and in the late 1800s they really set up their big foundations they funded the Fabian Society, the World Socialist Society all of these things and even got the public, often at the lower classes, to, to strive towards goals which they never understood because Fabianism is a, a really a strictly an elitist uh, idea, concept where those who are fittest to rule are the most intelligent, the better bred and so on less genetic defects as they say I, uh, there's no doubt about the, the fact, the, the absolute fact, that Adolf Hitler, with his racial purity idea and his uh, list of superior types in a, in a descending order of inferior types, he didn't make that up. He got that from the Fabian Society from England, yeah. Because uh, the Fabians had drawn that up long before. There's an excellent video I always tell people to get a hold of because if you want to see Fabian socialism at work, uh, the best place to look is um, the Soviet Union. And there's a, a video called, uh, it's, it's called The Soviet Story. At the start of the video, they have a founder of the Fabian Society, George Bernard Shaw, the famous author. And you'll see him uh, on there saying that when we rule, he said, you, the people, will have to come to us uh, just one by one and justify why we should allow you to live in our system. Because their system, you see, uh, it, it, there's no such thing as individuality. You all work for the one uh, system. However, as George Orwell said, uh, some are more equal than others in such utopias. In other words, some will live high on the hog, like the Soviet Union, while the rest of the people work for basically nothing. This cabal, as you call it, uh, you, you know as well as I do that there is a, a sizable uh, community out there that believes that the Illuminati uh, is structured in such a way you have, you have the soldiers, the foot soldiers of the Illuminati that, uh, that uh, invade every, uh, every invades rather, every aspect of, of life in the churches, in the schools, city councils, everywhere. And then above that, I, I, according to this structure, there there are uh, layers upon layers, and finally you get to the top, and there is a group simply called the Nine. And above the Nine, they claim, is Satan himself. Mm -hmm. How do you see this cabal structure? Because others certainly see some uh, occult aspect to it, in fact, You'd have to go into uh, it's more Luciferian, really. Um, that's why Albert Pike, in his Morals and Dogma, and he was the sort of grandfather or Pope of Freemasonry. Uh, his own book, he, he said that um, Lucifer is God. And of course, Madame Blavatsky, who also was set up to be the, f the first uh, female uh, uh, Mason, 
um, said the same thing, uh, that, that Lucifer is God. Make no mistake, she says. Uh, so what they mean by that, most of them really simply mean pure, pure reason and intellect. Most of them believe that at the top. You're allowed to believe anything else you want at the top, but they must all believe that pure reason, rationale, intellect, uh, is, uh, is, uh, there has a right to rule, and they go under the guise of Luciferianism. On the other hand, there's no doubt whatsoever that if you look at uh, Satanism, uh, Satanism... Uh, was also linked with this group, as say, back in the Middle Ages, uh, because they had a, a theory that bringing children into the world um, was not really a nice thing to do. The world was evil, and uh, they did have sort of orgies, by the way, common orgies, um, and any offspring from those orgies supposedly uh, were put to death. Um, and they believed that they did the child a favor, you know. Uh, so uh, it's a very intense, uh, involved religion that most most people are unaware of even existed. You always see the Freemasonic side of it, the persecution side, but you never get to know why they were being persecuted. They were being persecuted because they literally were taking the Catholic Church head on, and uh, they thought they could win and uh, take over. And that's what started, started the last crusade. Um, but uh, they did believe there were two gods, um, and they believed that Satan technically was a lord of the world and that the other gods had given spirit to man through a trick of the lower god. But they also believed that they could perfect this world, make that which was left imperfect perfect by their own intellect, etc., which again matches uh, what, we're, what the biblical uh, students would know as Satanism. So technically it's the same agenda uh, as what Satan is supposed to have declared. He declared when he was cast down to earth uh, that he would, through his own intellect and will, rebuild everything on, in the world and uh, reach high up into the heavens and, and go higher than all the gods. So technically you could use either. For the atheist you could say, yes, Luciferianism is pure intellect, so they use Luciferianism. Or you could say Satanism because it's the same agenda if you stand back and look at it. I think you can be a member, a worker, put it that way. You get into it if you're very politically correct and you know which way the wind's blowing on all major topics. Um, we live in a, an organizational world. Uh, it's like that book, The Organization Man, that was put up back in the 70s, I think, that showed you that everyone has to be a team player. Well, politics plays a lot in, in media, say. Um, to get jobs in media or politics or whatever. Uh, politics is everything, even getting into it. In other words, you have to be politically correct. You must know uh, what's, what, what the agenda is, even if you don't understand it. You must be on board with it and be very politically correct. So you can be, you'll certainly get employment at the lower levels. Uh, as far as the higher levels, it's a different story because we know for a fact that the big technocrats, you know, technocrats are what Professor Carl Quigley called them. And... Um, Technocrats are people who are unelected but are put into powerful positions um, 
Zygmunt uh, Brzezinski wrote about them, um, and he, he became, he was one, of course, himself. Uh, Professor Quigley said that the technocrats have more power than any prime minister or president. They work for the big foundations, they work for the international organizations, they do the legwork going across the planet, like Maurice Strong of Canada. Um, they're picked up when they're very, very young. Uh, sometimes at college, uh, they don't have to go through university even. And M Maurice Strong was picked up, I think, at 18 by Rockefeller and groomed for his position, then put right into the United Nations. Uh, now, these characters have true power, um, and uh, that's what quickly said. They, they don't get the fame and acclaim in the public uh, limelight, but they know that they wield the true power to get things done. Maurice Strong has done pretty well for himself, considering I understand he never graduated high school. Yes. Now, I, not to digress here, but uh, as you say, he's a significant player in this, this all. Uh, in order to, to join this club, is, is it based at all on, on bloodlines, or do you simply have to control the party line and maybe even um, uh, join their religion? You, you have to... I, I think there's something to the bloodlines. Um, in fact, we can definitely trace a lot of that, the blood lineage. It's like, it's like Jacob Schiff when he was sent to the United States by Rothschilds to start up the banking, uh, a banking system that eventually would go right into the Federal Reserve. Um, and Schiff was brought up in the Rothschild home. Uh, it's, it's possible, too, that he was an offspring of Rothschild by another woman, which they're allowed to do, by the way, being of superior breeding. And that's what they believe. Um, we find Maurice Strong, his story just doesn't tally. A little guy from out in was it Winnipeg, a little farm supposedly, and uh, was just picked up by Rockefeller, as was uh, Zygmunt Brzezinski, as was uh, Kissinger, uh, groomed for their purpose, pushed put right into to, to big company corporations. Maurice Strong, for instance, was um, put in, for, in, in, in charge uh, uh, as a very young man uh, on Rockefeller's behalf through the Canadian government uh, in one of the biggest Canadian oil um, companies. Uh, straight out of nothing, really. And then from there, he was pushed into the United Nations uh, as assistant uh, chief, uh, director, whatever. He's been back in, in and out of the United Nations, then back into doing his gopher work for the foundations, but he's never stopped. And now he's in China uh, doing the final implementation for the complete tying together of all the, the China trade with the West. But what's interesting with Maurice Strong, too, is that when he was over in China, uh, he was taken to the grave of, of his cousin, say like his cousin or his aunt, who was an advisor to Matt Zetong. And she was, she, she was buried over there. So he, here you have a family who've been involved in revolutionary work for how many generations? And, and Maurice... But see, it's all how you look at something and how you perceive something. Uh, Maurice Strong and this cabal at the top believe in revolution. They claim they're behind all revolutions. And by revolutions, I also include sexual revolutions, different cultural revolutions, as well as the bloody ones. And when you go into these characters, yes, they certainly are behind it. When you look at, uh, at the many revolutions, for instance, that Mr. Rockefeller has been involved in in South America, this great philanthropist, it's astonishing. He had a list of guys he wanted removed, and the CIA took him up on it and just happened to get rid of them on, on his behalf. Um, uh, these guys are not elected, remember. None of these big philanthropists are, are elected to power. 
and yet if you look at the United Nations today and all the big players um, that have panels now appointed to every government on the greening agenda, the climate change agenda, the cutting back on food agenda, energy, etc. And we elect none of them, but they're all run via the United Nations, which is the front organization for this cabal of foundations. The goal, you can trace them back even uh, to, to um, the Cecil Rhodes, for instance, uh, foundation. The Cecil Rhodes Foundation in England was set up to bring in global government back in the late 1800s with uh, Rothschild at the time being the, the, the co-founder along with Cecil Rhodes. And they merged with the Lord Alfred Milner Round Table Society and the both of them together are now called the Royal Institute for International Affairs. They're a private organization that basically runs all policies in Britain and elsewhere in the world. The American branch is the CFR, yeah. So these characters are literally making policy all the time. You'll see uh, presidents going to see them and talk to them before they talk to the general public after they've been elected. Uh, prime ministers do the same. And they're the main advisory bodies for all major policies to governments. In other words, governments seem to know that they're supposed to listen to these boys for some strange reason. The reason is never explained to the general public. They're finishing off the last peoples today who did not go along with the global system, who were not on the, the World Bank, for instance, through the United Nations. Um, and those are the Islamic countries. They're being standardized into the same system as everyone else. As far as resources go, uh, apart from also grabbing the last of the resources which were not under the control, they pretty well have the whole world sewn up. Uh, Cecil Rhodes and his group and, and the, the guys that he trained uh, were sent across the world back in the late 1800s to try and take over all um, mineral rights, um, gold, silver, uh, uh, various other things, eventually oil, of course, and uh, even food production. And now they're into energy, uh, all kinds of energy production as well. So everything that's, that you need to live is, is already under the, the control of these cartels which work together through the Royal Institute of International Affairs. Many of the, the CEOs of the cartels are members of the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And so they've got it pretty well sewn up and they've been at it for over a hundred years, literally taking over the whole planet. And now they've almost achieved their goal that they're now convincing us, whom they call the useless eaters in a post-industrial society, uh, that we have to start reducing our numbers by force if necessary, you know. You'll, you'll notice that um, uh, who Obama appointed um, as a chief science czar, they call him, and uh, this guy wrote a book, John Holdren, John Holdren wrote a book in the 1970s, 1977, called Eco-Science, along with Paul Ehrlich. And in Eco-Science, they go through all the ways of reducing the population, including mandatory sterilization uh, and voluntary sterilization, where they could put stuff in the water supply or the food of the populace. They're talking about the Americas, too, and Canada. 
and all different ways to do this, even implanting by force uh, and by law a chip in every young female so she, she, she couldn't ovulate, etc. Uh, this guy's now the chief science are appointed at this particular time, because it's the right time to appoint these guys, uh, as, as, as Obama's uh, chief science advisor. So uh, there's lots of this stuff going on. Britain's just the same too. They've got their top eugenicists on board at the top now, pushing the same mantra uh, that you've got to depopulate and, and bring the population of Britain down to 20 million. That's in mainstream media from the government. Totally hilarious. And someone sent me a, a, um, an email today, and I have to be careful because I have to verify this, so I won't mention this. But someone on CNN's high-profile commentator, and actually a, a news anchor, was apparently allegedly quoted as saying that anyone over 65 who seriously or terminally ill should be euthanized. I wasn't aware of that one, but I do. I remember the clip where Obama was asked uh, this, about this uh, a few months ago. And Obama said that uh, he had referred to, to an experience he had with his grandmother. He says, true enough, you know, I looked at the money that was spent on her when she was terminally ill. He says, what's the point in giving old people, he said, uh, hip replacements when they won't live too long? Anyway, he said, I'm going to have to look really strong and hard at that. And so he did set up another committee on comparative um, health studies, it was, a, a comparative study for this new health system he wants to bring in. And the man he appointed for it um, is already has been writing papers for one of the main institutes on eugenics and depopulation. So that makes me feel even more happy, you know, that to, that to know these guys are wanting to take such good care of us. Yeah. It, it is Hitlerian, isn't it? It's absolutely um, Hitlerian. Sir Crispin Tickle is a descendant in England of, uh, he's a descendant of um, Charles Darwin. And the Huxleys too. And uh, Crispin Tickle uh, came out there backing Prince Charles. In fact, he's advisor to Prince Charles on depopulation. And he belongs to the Optimum Population Trust, another part of the foundations. You see, it's all foundations uh, that are funded by incredible money. Uh, and he said they're going to drastically reduce the population of the world and possibly mandate birth control uh, by law and force, etc., etc. Uh, this, this is no coincidence. They're all they've all been put in at this time because now it's time for the stage of it to be to be implemented. All you have to do now is convince us of the need because we're the only species that has to be um, that has to acquiesce and go along and help them kill ourselves off. How did this one uh, pandemic claim? Do you think that this is uh, A, something that was actually created in the lab and being unleashed on the population so it is a real threat? Or is it a major psyop and uh, a hoax in order to force us to accept mandatory vaccination? And, and that's the point of the vaccination. It definitely is to me um, going to be used to get us to take up the vaccination. Um, the company who makes the vaccination are the same company that introduced all the lovely uh, cancer viruses, the UV, the, the simian 40 virus and the polio shots. And when you look at the head of that company, they're also part of the biowarfare industry. In fact, one of the first CEOs was actually put in charge of the U.S. biowarfare uh, arm of the military. Uh, so these are the guys that are going to make your vaccine and uh, give us the, all the problems with the green monkey diseases, etc., uh, which they're using, by the way, in this new flu shot. 
and I don't trust them at all. Uh, uh, this flu is a, a non-event. It's a non-event for all the hype and hysteria that's been whipped up and the World Health Organization uh, whipping it up as well. Uh, they need a pandemic at the World Health Organization. They told us we'd all be dead by AIDS uh, years ago, and they told us that the bird flu was going to get us all, and now they're hoping for this one, uh, and it hasn't really panned out for them. But facts don't matter. They, they, they keep saying that there's thousands being infected every day. Well, the reality is, as all newspapers tell you across the world, no one's being tested with this stuff. They're not sending uh, nasal swabs in. Anyone with a hay fever, sniffle, or a hypochondriac, and there's lots of them out there now who are terrified by the media, they're all running to the doctors at the, the first little sneeze they get and being automatically diagnosed as having the swine flu. So um, it's a hoopla over nothing except to get us all prepared for a mandatory shot. Actually, it's a series of shots, not just one they want to give you. It's at least three. And I don't trust these guys at all after going through the history of the particular companies that make the vaccines. And I've got all the histories here, including uh, their, their, um, uh, the fact that they are part of the biowarfare uh, industries. Yeah. Alan Watt, a maker here at Richard Sarah Joe, Black Radio. Do you foresee day you see not in this country when we will have uh, mandatory uh, vaccines in this country and, and what will Alan Watt do when they come knocking on the door? Uh, it won't be around or it'll be done uh, against my will absolutely uh, because I will not take it um, I know the effects of these inoculations and even the squalene itself that they put in to make the thing take off squalene is a adjuvant to put in to these shots uh, that's what they put into the anthrax ones that hit people badly in the US military and give them a lot of uh, Gulf War syndromes and so on what it does to you is to attract the white blood cells uh, to overreact as the key is overreact to it, to it. and uh, sure enough they'll go for the squalene uh, but where else is squalene found? Now, the synthetic squalene that's put into your body is different from your own body's natural squalene uh, your body doesn't go after the squalene that's in your joints for instance and ovial joints uh, so when your white cells have run out of this target now, you're, now your, your immune system is hypersensitized to this warfare or, or, or weaponized type of, of uh, squalene and once it's got rid of that it then attacks your joints it destroys them totally rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, etc. all comes out of this they know this at the top they know this and yet they're, they're putting this stuff into this particular flu vaccine. Never mind what else is in it uh, that uh, I, I wouldn't agree with, but uh, the squealing itself is bad enough for me. Is your theory that vaccine is going to be a weapon used by the involved with massive there will definitely be another objective. These guys, it's like spraying the skies. It's, they don't have just one object. They're, they like to get a big bang for their bucks, or a lot of bangs for their buck. And uh, there'll be different things that will come out of it. They've already told us they want to completely sterilize the ones that are still fertile. Uh, that's been in media. And uh, we, have, we are really plummeting um, uh, fertility-wise, like the CB said on the, on the Disappearing Male documentary they did. And um, they want to finish that, so that'll be probably another side effect of it too. And uh, maybe even faster-acting cancers, etc., will kick in as well. So we won't live too long over a certain age. Um, Biowarfare is so advanced 
they can actually trigger something to go off when you're when see your testosterone starts to drop or for instance at a certain age and then the, 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 actually the effects of the disease will kick in um, so I don't trust these guys whatsoever especially when I say as I say there's so much hoopla over a non-event like the supposed uh, swine flu it's a, it's a bigger hoopla than they even had when they, they gave uh, the, the injections that crippled hundreds and hundreds of people with the last swine flu nonsense as soon as the press, by the way, uh, of that swine flu scare uh, stopped talking about it in the 1950s, the swine flu wasn't mentioned again. It was, suddenly it was just disappeared. <laughs> All right, stay with us, Alan. Back on the side. More of my conversation with Renee Thompson, author, researcher Alan Watt, here on Glastonbury Radio. Alan, are you beginning to sense that uh, people like yourself, uh, and, uh, well, you know, in a very minor way, I, mean, I was uh, suddenly, and without warning, dismissed from uh, a radio station here in Toronto. Uh, Some say after a series of broadcasts, I did about your Uncle Obama and his citizenship, and uh, I don't know whether that's true. I, I probably never will, but do you sense that there's that the greater pressure being exerted on? those people that are trying to seek out the truth, like yourself. I'll give you an example. Alex Jones, uh, of a uh, was recently on Coast to Coast. A friend of mine heard him, and uh, knows not where Alex uh, had the program down. He's an architect, indicated that throughout most of the United States, very controversial researcher, looking at many of the same things that you are, Alex, in the world order, etc. And uh, someone said when they heard him on Coast to Coast in George Martin, for the first time, he was not full of the, the bombast and the swagger, but he sounded genuinely afraid. And apparently he was being approached by uh, the men in black, so to speak, while on the street distributing flyers or something, and apparently they put the fear of God in him. Uh, I've had intimidation, uh, certainly. Um, I've had warnings in the past uh, from high places. Um, but it, the thing is, too, if you just shut up and allow things to happen, then you're going down anyway with all the rest, you know, rather than fight this thing. Um, I used to get uh, SUVs coming along the road at nights where I lived before, uh, and uh, this happened for about a month. Uh, every night I'd walk the dog, so they knew when I left the house, obviously, and came back. And it was a, it was a little valley-type road, and as soon as they switched off onto my roads, they'd switch off their headlights, they'd drive up to 20 feet from me and sit there with the tinted windshields and so on, and just sit there. The one got out. And I'd stare at them, and it's stared at me, I suppose. And then they'd reverse all the way back up there, about half a mile or more, and turn the lights on and away. This happened every night for about a month. And one morning, I had them outside my door, and um, I, I thought I'll go up and just knock on the door and ask. And I said they want a coffee. And as soon as I got up to knock on the on the on the thing, it, they just took off. Well, I had that kind of intimidation. It's meant to make you afraid. I've had other other worse things happening too. Um, 
but what I do know is that they can't get just at you. Yeah, they will try to get at you via the station you're on. There's no doubt about that. Um, as you know, Canada is probably one of the most politically correct places in the planet, you know. And if you don't go along with whatever is the in agenda, or you say something that, that you don't even know yourself is out of the agenda, uh, like talking about Obama, then why not? So it just takes a phone call from someone in power, and uh, and they'll get they'll, they'll get you off the air. Other other than that, they'll get to the advertisers and try and get you off that way. Advertisers are very powerful, and that's how they usually do it in the U.S. Um, I know Bill Cooper when he was doing uh, exposés in the 90s. In one of his talks, he explained how he lost his leg, and he was dri he was driven off the road when he was on his motorbike with an SUV. He woke up in the hospital. His leg was amputated, and the two guys with the, the black coats were sitting there, and they said, well, you're taking this as your warning. Are you going to continue? And he says, well, I want to leave the hospital. So he said, well, I'll, I'll leave it alone. He lied to save his life. So, And then, then, of course, we know later he was killed by a SWAT team that came up to his house to execute him. Do you know whether you're on a, a flight uh, list? Oh, I bet I am, yeah. In fact, uh, I read an article from the U.S. government. It was from the Pentagon who set up a team about a year and a half ago to list down all talk show radios hosts. In fact, to go over all the stuff they'd ever said. And by, by the way, they do have organizations that do that. Canada has one as well. And uh, they said that uh, anyone who'd spoken out against uh, the wars that are going on in the Middle East or against presidential directives and so on um, uh, was to be uh, fined or put in prison if, if they didn't retract it, etc., etc. Yeah. I'm just trying to think when the last time I tried to fly was, and it's been... Uh, I think it's five years, I would say. And it would be interesting what would, what would happen if I would show up at the uh, International here in Toronto and try to get on a plane. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I, um, my, my dossier with the RCMP may not be quite as big as yours, Alan, but I hope you get there. Yes, you see, if you, if you actually speak out against um, what's happening, it's, it's not so much speaking about, speak, speaking about things, it's, it's speaking out against things. Uh, that's happening, that's when they come after you. Um, and if you're very politically incorrect, or you're, or you're trying to point out the fallacies, or you can destroy the propaganda by fact and presentations, then they'll definitely come after you. Yeah. Thinking about one of the more perhaps dangerous and subversive programs that I did was a researcher. Uh, was or had discovered that Canada is in fact not even a country, it's a corporation. Mm -hmm. He told me and my audience that Canada is listed on the U.S. Security Exchange Commission. And you know, to say that, but of course, he's going to check it out. Well, he to check out, he gave a website to the NCC, and did anyone can check it out. Canada is listed right above Canada, Canada Drive. We are listed on the Security Exchange Commission. Um, what does that mean exactly? Well, the British Commonwealth countries, it's an odd bunch of countries because we have this strange monarchy or monarchical democracy, they call it. However, everyone who takes office 
swears allegiance to the Queen and all her successors, not to the country. But then if you go into the history of Canada and the United States, even the Americas, as it was called pre-revolutionary pre days, um, you find that, that Canada was divvied up by the Crown into private corporations. You had the Hudson's Bay and in, in a, another bunch running the Fraser Valley, etc. These were corporations and they were given the land grants. And so they started off as a, a conglomeration of corporations uh, owning and, and any law that they made as a, the CEO of a corporation uh, had the complete backing of, of their king or the queen and therefore they could act as supreme ruler. Um, it's an odd with an odd, were heirs of an odd system that has never really, really been changed. And then after the American Revolutionary War, you find that uh, they had the meeting in Paris, and Britain was suing for the land that they lost within the United States on behalf of the big families that they have um, uh, still listed as the owners. Well, guess what? A lot of those big families are still listed as the owners of big chunks of the United States of America and Canada. It hasn't changed. That's law. So you're quite right. We're still basically corporations. You know. So when Trudeau recently created the Constitution uh, in 1982, that's not really a Constitution for people. That is nothing more than, well, it's explained to me, essentially a commercial, a commercial document. Yes. And not only that, you'll notice in that document there's nothing to do, it says nothing about the right of anyone, any citizen, to own private property. Well, further, I, I, uh, I saw on the uh, investigative report that Mr. Mallory said in Ontario, if you buy land, not land, buy the mineral rights under your land, anybody from a mining well, we not only that. Um, all see all land in Canada really uh, is owned by the crown. The first four inches of topsoil everywhere technically is theirs, as ours, and everything else is theirs. That's the way it is, and that's why when you apply for a, a house across Canada and the states, in fact same in Britain, you'll notice that um, it doesn't say owner of the house, it says tenant of the house. Yeah, you have leases, and even then, you, as long as you pay the extortion fee of property tax, uh, then they'll allow you to stay on that land. But if you can't afford that that uh, that extortion money, which is just, that's what it is, you know, it's either something is your property or it's not. And if it's your property, no one can lean on you, you see. Uh, so if, the, if uh, you pay a property tax and then they can throw you off because you didn't pay that protection money, then something's wrong. You don't own the property at all. You're, you're a tenant, yeah. I thought the United States fought a revolution to get out from under that So I thought obviously that revolution was co-opted and the, uh, the uh, founding fathers were... Well, the founding fathers initially wanted only politicians to, for, who ran for election to be big property owners to start with. 
but it wasn't until, uh, in fact, if you went to the histories, uh, books put out by the Council on Foreign Relations dash Royal Institute of International Affairs, uh, you'll see that it was their members, both in the United States in Congress and their members in the British Parliament that first brought in uh, the income tax, then the property tax. And they take, they take pride in the fact that they, they were the ones who introduced those bills. Yeah. Is the United States a conspiracy? There's no doubt at all the United States was, was founded by very high Freemasons. Uh, the symbols alone in Washington, D.C. are astonishing. Uh, they're everywhere. And, and there's no lack of uh, portraits of Washington laying foundation stones, etc. With, uh, and then later, when they when they, they made the monument for Washington, the, the Masonic Lodge came out with all their aprons, and they they, they did the paintings of that too. And it was a parade right through the city at that time, uh, with their aprons on. So there's no doubt about it. It was uh, Masonically founded, and. Um, the highest members in it were all top Freemasons. But, you know, every every president of the United States is offered an honorary 33rd degree of the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry as soon as he's made president. Uh, let me uh, let me take a second to time Yes. We'll come back in it's compiled from a lot of previous talks I did on early radio shows where I went through the ancient religions, um, how they started, uh, how they ruled people, control people, etc. Um, from even from Sumer onwards. Uh, and all the different uh, trading connect connections, how the banking system first got started in ancient times, uh, what they used for money, um, because we hold the whole history. And I explain how that uh, the idea, the system we're living in today really is not so much different from ancient Sumer. In ancient Sumer, they had priesthoods who were specialized in every uh, department for law and regulation of trade and taxation, so much so that they even dug up um, some tablets where one of the scribes said that um, he couldn't look from horizon to horizon over the city. He said, he said, all I can see are government buildings. He says, everything is taxed. When the fishermen bring in their, their fish to sell, they're taxed. When the customer buys it, they're taxed. He said, it's so bad that even when the relatives put food offerings on the graves of the relatives, government agents come in and take the food uh, in lieu of taxes for death duties. I thought, you know, nothing has changed. Nothing really has changed. That's, that's, it's true, very, very true, what um, uh, Sir Charles Galton Darwin said in the 1950s, and, and he was one of the big boys for eugenics, depopulation, and the right of his own kind to live and supervise us all. He said, um, there's always been slavery in one form or another. He says, and what we, what we are, are creating now is simply a more sophisticated form of slavery. And, and what that is, is world service. It's no coincidence that Obama brought in uh, mandatory service. 
And it's no coincidence that, that uh, when Blair was in, or Brown got in after him, he declared the same thing, mandatory service for so much time. And then they said, well, it won't be just a few months, it could be a few years. Now they want all these groups to start doing mandatory service. And it was mentioned too uh, up in Canada here. So this is going to be how they gradually bring in this new world of service. We're all working together to save the planet. Yeah. Yes.
don't know what, at this point, if anything can be done about it, other than, I mean, again, we talk about it now, and try to try to make ourselves aware of, of what's going on, but what, what can be done? Well, I, I can say this, I can say this, uh, pleading with them is not going to do any good. Uh, the people at the top who are all on board uh, with every part of this world agenda, and, and they've even called it publicly the New World Order many times, even the G20 meeting by Prime Minister Brown, he kicked it off calling it the New World Order, um, which entails the whole new way of living, depopulation, a managed society, um, an authorized breeding program for those who will be allowed to breed. That's all part of this, you see. And... The, the, this is not a new idea. Remember, they've been at this for a long time. And uh, that's why, for the last 15 years or, or more, they've been building up internal armies of police and SWAT teams, um, multi-jurisdictional task forces in Canada, where, where cops can often go over to Afghanistan, special teams of them, learn to work like combat troops, and then come back into uniform in Canada. They've shown that on TV now, even though they denied it first for years. Um, so they're preparing for this. Now, the Department of Defense for NATO countries, um, and the, the main think tank for the Department of Defense for NATO countries, put out a 90-page page document last year, and I've got it on my website in the archive section, um, for telling the future for the next 50 or 60 years. And they say that starting around 2010, 2012, There'll be riots beginning across the world, maybe in the Middle East, but then spreading across the whole Western world to do with unemployment, uh, food shortages, a whole range of issues. And they expect 30 years of rioting to go on as they bring in this whole new world order structure and the planned society. The whole restructuring of society is to come out of this prolonged war. After they, they, they put out that 90-page document, and it was in the newspapers, it was in the Guardian at first, uh, the, the U.S. military brought out its its own think tank's report for what, what it see, and it's identical to it. So I have both of them up on my website. And so it's only now, even today, I read five articles on, on our show tonight um, to do with the, the coming food shortages and how we're going to eat less and all the rest of it, blah, 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 blah. The reason that this is coming about is because five cartels have taken over the entire world's food supply with the help of governments since World War II. They've kicked the small farmers off. They've made it impossible to be a small farmer by laws, regulations, the environmental regulations alone. And so you've got nothing left but the big five agri-food businesses. And now they're going to use food as a weapon. That was mentioned when they set up the Department of Agriculture at the United Nations at the beginning, at the end of World War II. They said that food is used as a weapon and they continue to use it. Well, now we're going to see it used as a weapon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's no doubt about it. You don't set up uh, after 9/11, 2001. Immediately, every country set up the same police state system of total surveillance, etc., etc., on the same agenda which tells me there was already treaties uh, made and a system set up for them all to go into action with the same agenda because governments do not work that quickly. And um, so you're under a police state, absolutely. Um, 
there's no doubt they expect trouble to come but I've no doubt too that they'll, they'll, they'll agitate and create the main trouble when it's time to spark it off that's the key to it they're very good uh, at sparking things off they don't want things to get out of hand before they're, they're ready for controlling all of it but when it's time to control it uh, and get it going they'll spark it off somehow they do have their ad professional agitators uh, that literally travel from country to country they work with MI6 they work with the CIA uh, there's actually teams of agitators you can hire from, as governments and they do this kind of stuff you see that at the big meetings against the globalists there's always a, a small squad gets seen starting thro throwing uh, uh, either petrol bombs, gasoline bombs or stones or something at the cops and these are always uh, little groups that have been brought in to, to, do, to do that job and we saw that the thing happening in Montreal when they caught the cops that was actually cops dressed up as, as a bunch of hoods uh, that started the riots there but they caught those guys yeah uh, private security firms, military, are getting ready to go to war against you, me, my neighbor, your neighbor, the middle yeah, class. Absolutely. We are the enemy, and that's the message I have to get out to people, is that when they're talking about terrorism, you have to go into the organization at the top of government and what they believe. What do they believe? They believe that they're in a scientific age. They believe that the, the, the cream have, have risen to the top through proper breeding, etc., through generations. That's, that's again, Darwinism. And they believe in the junk genes. That's all the people down below who haven't quite made it and never will, according to them. And uh, that we are eating up all of their resources that they can use for their future uh, generations of superior types. So we are the terrorists, you see. We are the terrorists, according to those at the top. That's why they brought out Total Information Network. If you're going after terrorism, why would you have to spy on every single citizen in Canada, the U.S., across every country in Europe, all the way to Australia? Uh, to get terrorists, you have to spy on every citizen. That makes no sense. Uh, we are all potential terrorists, according to those at the top especially when they start to implement what they're going to implement uh, mandatory shots for things which will make people sick uh, mandatory ration cards were mentioned in Britain just today by the government yeah. so they're going to bring all of this to the fore there's no doubt about it um, riots will eventually break out people don't riot unfortunately until their backs are against the wall and then they're not organized they're simply a riotous mob you know, a rabble as they call them that's the problem. People shouldn't get to that stage and where, where, where they're literally just a rabble. They, they should be getting together now, uh, organized, and doing something about it while they can. And it might be too late already, because in that 90-page report from the British military a think tank, they said they're prepared to use neutron, battlefield neutron bombs, on, on very big uh, flash mobs. That's what they call them, flash mobs, when necessary. Alan Watts, cutting to the matrix, my guest here on the Richard Serrett Show, last February radio. Um, the leaders never all. Sounds like they liken themselves to God. Um, are they also the ones that are behind this pursuit of immortality? Oh, there's no doubt. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I remember when David Suzuki, who was one of the big players and for pushing Canada as a popular face, uh, 
for the greening and cutbacks and energy cutbacks promotion and so on. Um, he's a geneticist, and he's up on YouTube when he was, when he was a younger man talking to other students, and he, caught, he likened people, the population, to maggots. That's what he called them, they're maggots. So don't let, to, let the guy who loves very little animals there um, con you. This man is a, an elitist. He believes in, in superior genes. He is a geneticist, even though he does all the nature shows. And um, uh, uh, there's lots like him. There's, there's an awful lot of them out there that are on board. Um, technically, technically, what is a god? If you ask the question, what is a god? A god is someone with power of life and death, or even birth, over other people. Uh, uh, there have been many gods in the past like that. Even even the, the emperors of Rome were all deified as gods, and they did have the right to allow you to live or kill you um, or castrate you, if need be. So we're seeing the same thing uh, under whatever guise it is uh, emerged today, under the guise of Darwinism. It's uh, not on a new agenda. We can understand this has been going through academia for well over a hundred years in, in, in various uh, sections of academia. Now, all academia, all scientific uh, academia, uh, have their dose of Darwinism. They must believe in evolution. And along with evolution comes the Darwin theory, which says that the, less, the lesser type who are left behind when the others have evolved will have to be killed off or it will bring down uh, the more evolved type. That's part of standard Darwin uh, teaching. And, and they really believe this stuff. I don't, I've never asked you this. How do you, you don't describe the evolution, nor do I, but how do you think we got here? I just leave something that, that, that you can never prove or disprove with a big question. I have a lot of pigeonholes in my head, and I put it in there and put a question mark on it, because without the data, uh, we can guess forever but there's no doubt about it Darwinism is a religion it takes more faith to believe in Darwinism than it would take to believe in other religions in fact uh, and, uh, and it's a, a religion with a, a built in agenda to it yeah. there's something there there's something there I don't see it as an Old Testament deity um, that's too. That's too much like a human tyrant, uh, a human being who, who's got kind of bad tempered at times and and so on. It, it's built too much on a human uh, way. I think uh, a creator is way beyond uh, the simple human, uh, even our reasoning, in fact. Um, so I, I don't really put it into the standard type of religions that you have. Now, there's no doubt about it. There's been great thinkers in religions, uh, all major religions down through the ages. They've come out with a lot of good philosophy on, on life itself and experiences. But no one, I think, has ever got the absolute uh, truth. Um, but the Old Testament, as I say, and most, most of the older ones have an old kind of angry God. You're not quite sure if, if he's going to hit you or, 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 or pat you on the head. Uh, that's too human-like. And I, I think whatever did all this uh, certainly could be likened to, to us. There's too much chaos here, yeah. Go back to a, a, a discussion on, on how, if, if, if it is possible, it's not too late, how we can witness that against the social law. If we wanted to do it here in Canada, how do we, 
how do we start? We go out to vote, one at the ballot box. How do we fight it? I honestly don't think it can be fought at the ballot box because it's been rigged for so many years. Going through uh, Professor Carl quickly, now he was the historian for the for the Council of Foreign Relations, and he got into their their, their main headquarters in, in in England and in New York uh, for his for his own research and so on. And he said that that the politicians for in the 1960s when he wrote his book Tragedy and Hope, he said he said that. The Council of Foreign Relations had already, this other group had already uh, put their members in as the, t- the top of every party for the last 60 years. So since the late 1800s, when the Cecil Rhodes Foundation was formed, the prime ministers and presidents uh, on both parties are always still pre-selected by the Council of Foreign Relations, Royal Institute of International Affairs, and it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter um, uh, but the lesser politicians, he says, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of certain amount of competition at the lower levels of politics, but the top boys are always theirs. Um, how can you change a system like that? It's where pre-approved people are presented to the public, um, but they're not speaking on their behalf, and they have already sworn to this agenda. Look at the Bilderberger meetings. For years now, uh, future prime ministers and presidents and so on, are, 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 even Arnold Schwarzenegger before he was a governor, uh, they're, they, they're asked to, to attend the Bilderbergers, and that's how you know they're going to become uh, whatever that they're put in to be. Uh, that's got nothing to do with the public input whatsoever. You know, they're all pre-selected. Arkansas, no offense to the people of that state, but it's a, it's a backwater state. It's not, it's pretty obscure. And uh, although it's always interesting with the Rockefellers, when they decide to step on the public stage and become a governor, it's always uh, a state like Arkansas or West Virginia that nobody really thinks much known about. But here we have this obscure governor who's probably making about $40,000 a year at the time. Attended the Bilderberg meeting in 1991. The rumor is that he, he met uh, uh, Dave Rockefeller there, and Rockefeller sort of gave him a master's class in, uh, in globalism or globalization, and said to Clinton, Are you on board with this plan, more or less? And Clinton said, Yes, sir, I am. And then Rockefeller said to Governor Clinton, Thank you very much, Mr. President. Is that pretty much how it works? Uh, that's how it worked, although Clinton himself had already attended Oxford University as a Rhodes Scholar, and all Rhodes Scholars are, are brought in as, as scholars under that Rhodes Scheme for uh, to be taught to be future world managers. World managers is the key, yeah. Is there any brainwashing uh, involved in these leaders? Uh, for example, the, the idea that Hitler may have actually been brainwashed at the Tavistock uh, prior to World War I. Did it essentially uh, I'm, I'm sure it could probably be done. In fact, I, I truly believe um, that, uh, it's like the Jesuits used to say, if you give me a child before the age of seven, I can make him into anything I want. Uh, it's all to do with how you bring them in, how you teach them. If you look at the writings of um, Bertrand Russell, Lord Bertrand Russell, 
a man who is all for this globalist socialist agenda, and that should warn social, uh, people at the bottom off. It's what socialism really is. It's about made by lords and funded by lords. Um, he said uh, the same thing. He, he said that all uh, schools should have scholarships. He says that way we can pick the ones who could be future problems, bring them on board with us so they'll work for us from an early age. And he says those who we can't bring in who have the ability to, to um, understand what's happening, put it across to the people, are deadly enemies, and he says they must be disposed of. Well, Alan, it's, uh, it's never uh, a cheery news for tomorrow. Uh, can you leave us with some, some bit of uh, advice or what we so long, right? Yes, I, I think really if people want a better world, they've got to get active. And at least uh, technically I say, well, the, the, the fact is some people are still thinkers. They're not beaten down. They're, they're not drones walking around aimlessly with the cell phones stuck to their ears talking babble to uh, nonsense to people. They're thinkers. They know what's happening. And it is, but the word is spreading what's happening. Uh, lots of people know now. They're waking up. But it's up to them now to take the initiative and do something with their knowledge. Technically, we should all be dumb. We should all be damaged goods right now. All of us. None of us should be able, with all the scientific indoctrination, the inoculations, the fluoride in the water, uh, the GMO food, uh, the spraying in the airs that's going on and all the rest of it, none of us should be able to think at all except maybe just mumble a few um, sort of rap type fr uh, phrases but um, they haven't got us all yet so there's hope in that in itself so those who have the ability to think uh, should, should, should really use their, their, their knowledge and spread it to people so that we can change this but remember too we live in a, a world where money money directs power uh, and where power is going to go money directs governments and they listen to, to the big boys with the cash. And the big boys, unfortunately, are the thousand points of light. They're the non-governmental organizations funded, heavily funded by the big foundations. You, 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 it's very hard to go up against them and compete with them and get the word out when they have a thousand for every one of your people there uh, heading the road with pamphlets. Uh, they have access to mainstream media on a daily basis whenever they come up with some new idea, like the Optimum Population Trust. They're an NGO. Uh, it's hard to get mainstream airtime and to get this out. And it's very true as well. Um, that the public have been trained to listen to only famous people, famous people with, with uh, familiar faces uh, on mainstream television. It, it's hard to get someone who is well known uh, on, on daily or weekly television uh, to come out and give the other side of the story as to what's happening. We'll, we'll probably never see that happening, but that's, that's almost what it would take because when someone in that position speaks with authority, unfortunately the people are trained to listen and, and then they will believe, yeah. So maybe we, we need some people who are sitting down in Hollywood or somewhere to start coming out and uh, doing the right thing for the first time. Well, it's interesting, Jesse Ventura, of course, former governor of uh, Minnesota, is very outspoken in 0911, for example, and other conspiracies, is doing, uh, I believe, is going to be doing a conspiracy type show, but I think what happens is, in order to control that message, they co opt something like Jesse. I think it'd be here, but what they're going to do is they're going to package that show and it's going to be passed off to sort of this 
You're right. You're dead on there. You see that the biggest in thing right now, uh, and even the term that's used, was given to us by counterintelligence in MI6, uh, conspiracy theorists. It's now like a hobby group, you see. They have movies out on it and so on, uh, conspiracy theorists. And, and so when you come up with the facts, and I have to be on shores when this has happened, I call it the circus. It's already laid out there for you. I'll go out there on one show. I'll explain the whole thing using factual information and, and information that can be checked by anyone from the books written by the big players themselves. I don't use anything except their own books, like the Brzezinski's, etc., and the Kissinger's. And... Um, and then, of course, after me comes a guy on. Comes a, and this happened to us in a show. After me, a guy came on who, who was um, selling helmets to stop people getting abducted by UFOs. So you've got a circus there. So my information is lost with the, with the, the menagerie of weirdness that they put in with it. This is a deliberate system that's set up like that. And I've talked about that on some of the shows I've been on. They've never asked me on again because because that's what they're doing. That's where their business is. And they know darn well what they're doing. If you want to counter intelligence, you get the, the real truth coming on, you mix it with nonsense, and you discredit the truth. That's how you do it. Simple counterintelligence. Now, if uh, people are interested in ordering the uh, Cutting Through the Matrix trilogy or the new book, uh, Waiting for the Miracle, where they can... They just go into my website, com, and everything's there, how to order, etc. All right, Alan, it's a fight, and always a pleasure talking to you, and you're very generous with your time. Thank you for this. And thanks for having me on again. All right, Alan Watts. I think you can make this.com really come to the site on my site, richard.com.